This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Having a consistent conversation of what Endurance Church is and um, what our expectation and goals are for the church, it is a challenge because... um, a lot of people have different ideas on what the ecclesia is. Ecclesia is the word for, for the church, those who are called out. And ultimately, my personal belief is the church is just a faithful group of people, the assembly. Our job is to assemble together and worship God. But ultimately, we leave God's presence and do ministry. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And it's our responsibility to go out in the world and reconcile those people who don't know who Jesus Christ is back to God. I think we're in the midst of Babylon, not that America's Babylon, not, I'm not saying that at all. I think once we left Eden, symbolically humanity has been in Babylon ever since. And God is trying to give us this good news, this message that he still reigns, just like the, the Israelites did when they were, in a sense, exiled into Babylon captivity. The message of the good news came to them while they were in captivity because people were wondering why in the world are we, in a sense, overthrown? What, what just happened? Like, how in the world did God and God's people get ransacked, get, get beat? But they had to realize that God is sovereign even in another country. But the point is, we have been exiled from the Garden of Eden from the beginning. And God has given us this news that we can be reconciled back to himself. 
We have to understand that God is wooing humanity back to himself. That's his goal. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. If you want to know the beginning of the story, you'll kind of determine the end. If you want to know the end of the story, you have to be able to understand what the beginning was. In the beginning, God and man were one. They were harmonious. They were in relationship. God is trying to bring that back. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a change in our hearts. We have to become more like Christ. Remember in the beginning, Adam didn't trust God. And through all human history, we've proven that given the opportunity, we would hurt God. Look at what happened to Jesus. Given the opportunity, humanity would hurt God. We were not on the same page with God. The Bible says we have enmity toward God. So God has to do a work in our hearts so that we can relate to him again. But since we're now engaged in a relationship with God, since we're now saved, how shall we now live? As one of my favorite authors, Francis Schaeffer, says. Or Chuck Colson followed up with a book with a similar title. How shall we live? So today, we're going to talk about what endurance church should be by nature. There's this parable I'm going to, or allegory I'm going to talk about. It's, a, it's not a happy one, but I, I, I think it's an interesting point. Has anyone heard the story about the frog and the scorpion? Raise your hand if you heard, have heard about it. Oh, yes, only one. Two, did somebody else raise their hand? Oh, good. So some people called the frog and the fox. Some people called the frog and the scorpion. And the, the basic point of the story goes like this. Let's, let me give you the story, then we'll talk about the theme. So there was a frog, and he was sitting on the side of the bank, and he saw a scorpion come up. And the scorpion's kind of like, oh, I need to get to the other side of the river. Can you, frog, who have the capacity to swim across the river, take me? And the frog says to the scorpion, what? No way. Like, you'll sting me. I'm not going to take you across the river. You're going to sting me. And the scorpion said, no, I need to get there. Like, it's, a, it's urgent. There's no way I'm going to sting you on the, on the way over there. That would... That would be silly. So against his better judgment, the frog said, okay, I'll take you over there. So the frog gets in the water. I'll say the bullfrog. Scorpion gets on his back. And they begin to wade in the river across. And when he got to the middle of the river, what do you think happened? The scorpion stung the frog. So now the frog is done because he's paralyzed. He can't swim anymore. He realized he has made a critical mistake. He realized his foolish decision. But on the way down, he was able to look at the scorpion, who was going to drown too, by the way, and ask him one question, why? And the scorpion responded, because it's my nature. I'm a scorpion. I stink. Very sad story. But the point of the story is you can tell a tree by its fruit or the nature of something then will, in a sense, determine its actions. Even though I use a negative story, the point is hopefully the same with our sermon scripture today. We're going to go to the book of Revelations. And in the book, there's something that highlights the nature of the church. There's a, a passion, a disposition. There's something the church has that makes it the church, a, a, a certain a proclivity or disposition that, that allows it to exist and also drives it, motivates it. Let's uh, go to the scripture today. I have a quote by a man named Charles Spurgeon, one of the best preachers of all time. Some people call him the prince of preachers. He had a quote that shocked me when I read it, but I think it was apropos for today's sermon. 
It says, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Interesting point. Don't know if I believe it. Just thought it was very provocative. Because he's making this one point. If you're saved, then by default, you have a heart for other people to be saved as well. Next slide, please. So I've extended the scripture out a couple of verses because I couldn't, I couldn't get to the root of the message just using verse 17, which is our point today. But we're going to have to go back to uh, verse 12 of chapter 22 in order to kind of understand what John, the revelator, is communicating. So we're in the book of Revelations. And once again, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is about Jesus, not about time, not about humanity, not about Israel. It's about Jesus. It's a, the revelation of Jesus. And this is the very end of the book, very last chapter. And the, I would assume the end of this book of the Bible is important, would you not? I mean, I would assume the ending is important. And we know chapter 20 is amazing, we love it. Chapter 1, 21 is amazing too, but 22 has something very unique to say to us today. We know John, we were talking about earlier in the year, Revelations chapter 1, 2, and 3 is talking to the seven churches. Here, he's still talking to the churches after this great apocalyptic message that covers the majority of the book of Revelation. But as we're concluding the Bible, this is something he says that I thought caught my attention. Now, I prepared these messages almost two years ago, so understand, I just didn't do this this week. These are, these are something that I prepared, led by the Holy Spirit a while ago, so this talks to you. It's Don't take it as a coincidence. Take it as the Lord saying something. In verse 12, it says, And behold, I'm coming quickly. Who's talking here? Jesus. Behold. This is like, look. Hold up. Jesus is trying to get your attention. This is John writing down Jesus' words. Understand that. And he says, I am coming quickly. Now, now, first of all, this is 2018? (laughs) Yeah. And this was written when, like, 90? You're like, Lord, when you say quickly, by whatsoever do you mean? Because that show don't seem quickly to me. This is like 2,000 years ago. But he's saying, I'll come quickly. He goes on to say, and my reward is with me. So our hope is, this is something that should be encouraging you. Jesus is coming soon. And you're like, well, come on, that's 2018 years ago. It's, how soon is it going to be? He's also bringing his reward. Well, my goodness, that's something to look forward to. But, and he's taking a long time. But remember, time is something that's created. It's a construct that eventually will go away. Time is not constant. Scientists now know that. Anybody know the man named Einstein? He created the equation and realized that it was relative. I don't know if you've seen the movie Interstellar, but they proved it as well. (laughs) But nevertheless, time one day will not exist. The Bible says one day is like how many years to the Lord? And a thousand years is like how many? Like a day. God is not in time like us. We're in time. Time like matter will cease to exist. He come quickly, that means for him in eternity, he could have already moved, but we haven't in a sense experienced it because we're in time. It's a concept that's hard to even fathom. We talked about it before in this church. Remember, God right now is at the very moment you are being born, at this moment. He's there. And he's at the very moment when you're dying and entering heaven right now. God is there. 
You're not alone. That should give you comfort. You will never be alone if you're saved. That should give you comfort. But how can I give you courage now? God is on his way. He's coming for you, and he has a reward for you. Be encouraged. He goes on to say, to give to everyone according to his work. Now, we had a sermon series about that, about working for rewards. Now, we don't earn our salvation, but we earn our rewards. We don't earn our salvation, but we earn our rewards from Christ. It says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Who's that? That's Jesus talking. He's going to say, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Now understand that what he is about to say is tied into those people who are doing his commandments. Those people will be blessed. Those people will receive awards. So if you obey Christ's commandments, you have something to look forward to. This is a question I said, how am I going to pose this question? I'm going to do it rhetorically, meaning you don't have to raise your hand. But if I ask you to write down verbatim all the commands of Christ you obeyed, how many people could write down at least 20 things? No, this is rhetorical. Jesus said, if you do my commands, you're blessed. Who can right now say, I know 20 things I'm doing right now that Jesus asked me to do? Just a rhetorical question. Something for you to think about. Next slide, please. But outside, this is outside of heaven, are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. So there's a consequence. It's eternal. Those people who will be in and those people who will be out. There are a lot of people who say, you know what, I believe I'm a universalist. I believe God is so good. Everybody eventually will be saved. And regardless of how bad we are, God is, he's a loving God and he will never punish people. You know, this is, this is his story, not ours. I would love to think that, okay, no one's going to burn. No one's going to suffer. That's not what the scriptures convey. And what is the stamp of approval for me is the fact that Jesus Christ suffered. That was not an arbitrary thing. Imagine a president, any president, suffering for you. That would never happen. Matter of fact, if the president's life was in danger and yours, or just listen, I'm not going to use you, me. If the president was right here and me, and somebody came in with a gun, sorry, but I'm not walking out. <laughs> the president will be saved. The president's life is that important. But God died for us. And that just wasn't an arbitrary act. That was a great sacrifice to the Son and the Father. He will always be known as the slain lamb before the foundation of the earth. Matter of fact, he's still the slain lamb. That's how we'll recognize him. He still has the damage of the torture. He, in a sense, was afflicted on him when he was on the cross, before he went to the cross, when he was at Gethsemane. Jesus Christ paid a price so that we didn't have to be outside. It goes on to say, I, Jesus, once again, he's letting you know who's talking. Have sent my angel to testify to, testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And now, verse 17, the point today. And the spirit of the bride say, what? Come. And let him who hears say, what? Come. 
and let him who thirst, and whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Now, this is supposed to encourage the readers. If you were a bit despondent about what I said earlier, don't be. Because this is supposed to give everybody who reads this hope. But what's interesting is this. Who's saying come? The spirit and the what? The bride. Who is the bride? The church. The heart's cry of God's bride is what? Come. It's its nature. The Holy Spirit is saying come. And you know what the church is saying? The same thing. It's the nature of the church to say come. Now, what's interesting is who is the church saying come to? Jesus. Most people read this scripture and they say, oh, this is talking about, yes, come to God. Come. No, this is the spirit and the bride saying, come, Lord Jesus, come now. Now, this is the question I've been waiting to get to. If Jesus Christ came at this moment, before Adam sits down, Jesus is coming before Adam sits down. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, it's over. If Jesus would have came, before, like, have you done everything you needed to do for God? Think about that. Have you done all that you could do for God? That's what the bride is saying, come Jesus, because the bride is confident, I'm ready for him to come. The Spirit is saying, come Jesus. You only say come when you're satisfied with the results of your actions. Are you satisfied that you've done enough for Jesus? Are you obeying Jesus? Are you fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your life? Can you right now, in all honesty, say, come? I think we as a church have something we desperately need to do. And I think we have to do what some people probably thought that come originally meant. We have to offer people the opportunity to drink of this water. We have to be able to tell people about this opportunity to live forever, about immortality. It's so interesting. This was written in a, to a Middle Eastern culture where water is essential for life. How many days can you live without water? Three, four, seven at the most, but you don't live without water, right? You can live without bread, without meat. We don't want to live without bread or meat, but you can. But without water, you would shut down like Charlie Brown trying to kick the field goal, and he never was able to do it. <laughs> I really went deep on that one right now. I'm sorry. It just kept on coming. I just had a picture of Charlie Brown. Why does he keep trying to kick that ball? <laughs> Your body will shut down just like Charlie Brown falls to the ground. It will happen. But understand, for the reader in the Middle East hearing, come drink of this water. It's everything. Today, water is prevalent all over, seemingly, the earth. At least we have bottled water. Now, we're not so sure about tap water anymore because of the fluoride. Now, some people are afraid of fluoride. I might be afraid of it, too, because I heard it messes with your brain, but nevertheless, it helps your teeth. So we're all drinking bottled water. We have different types of bottled water we drink. So for us, we think, hey, you know what? There's water plenty. But what happens when the bottled water starts to run thin? What do we do? We develop our own sanitation methods or cleansing methods, but nevertheless, 
in this day and time, when they heard this message, they knew water was scarce. And when they heard that Jesus has offered them water of life freely, it means this water is available for whoever wants it. It will never run out. So we don't have to worry about there's only a certain amount of seats in heaven. There's enough for whoever wants to come. There's enough whoever wants to come. Do you want to come to heaven alone? The only thing we could do is bring people with us into eternity. So today we're going to break into small groups. We're going to have a discussion about this. Got a couple points and we're done for the day. First point, the Holy Spirit in the church desire more than anything that people come to be saved. Do you have a desire that people are saved, that they know Jesus Christ? Is that a heartfelt cry of yours? When you see people, did you see the earthquake that just happened in Indonesia today? Isn't that the second earthquake that happened there in like the last 20 years? And the first one happened hundreds, I don't know, thousands of people died. Right now there's 800, I mean, people, last people, what, yesterday, they're gone. 800 people gone. They are gone. And they're not coming back. And, and we look at that, like, oh, that was, that's horrible, that's terrible. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Take advantage. Jesus said, work while it's day. The next point. Understand what your desire should be. When I played football, I hated running. I hated doing squats. I love bench pressing and I love the curls, right? Now, why do you think I love the curls and bench pressing? Come on, Adam. Why? Say it. Be brave. Yeah! <laughs> curls are for girls. I'm sorry. It may be wrong. I'm just saying, in my mind, I was like, yeah, because I look good. And the girls, look, I mean, it was so wrong. Because you don't even use the bicep, really, when you're playing football. It has no benefit when you're playing football, right? But you need to squat and run. So I had to learn how to have a desire to run. We used to run every day before practice. We used to run before practice and run after practice when I was in college. We ran like dogs. And I hated it. So I said, I, I'm not going to get away from this. What do I have to do to fix this? I just had to trick myself and say, I love running. That's what I said to myself. I love running. And I would sing songs to myself like I was in Africa. I would go, Someone, I would get beats in my head. I'd do whatever I need to do so I could run because I know I had to be successful. What's our desire? What if you're not, your desire is not in alignment with God's? You need to do whatever you need to do so that your desire is congruent with God's. Next point. Crowd so that the world comes to Jesus. Cry. There's a scripture that says, have you used tears yet? Next point. Do it so that you can realize the desire of the spirit that is inside of you. The spirit is currently saying, come Jesus. The spirit is ready. And the bride is saying, come. Are you ready for Jesus to come? What is your desire? So now we're about to break into small groups, and Adam's going to kind of lead us here. Um, He's going to break us up and give us some questions. Also, we're going to get the lights to come on. Good morning, everybody. 
so most of you have done this before. We're going to break off into small groups and discuss a little bit about what Anthony was talking about, about passion and desire and uh, where that falls with you. So <clears throat> we got four groups today. Um, I'm going to lead one myself. Greg's going to lead one wherever he is. Gregor, is you here? There he is in the back. Uh, David, David Price right back there is going to lead a group. And then I also got my man Kenny back there with the camera. He's going to lead a group as well. So what we usually do is one group up here, one group back there, and so on and so forth. So kind of wherever you are, just kind of mosey on into a group and we'll, uh, we'll get started. Offer small groups throughout the week. I know it may be an inconvenience to try to make it out again uh, to church, but it doesn't feel like church. You know, it's, it's about a family. It's about a relationship. And the reason why small groups are important to us because Jesus says the world will know that you're my disciples because of your love for who? For one another, not for him. So how can you do what Christ asks if you don't even know what he's asking, you know? He's asking us to love each other. Think about it. The person who you just sat around, talked to, that's how the world will know that you're Jesus' disciples if you love one another. I'm under the persuasion that the more diverse we are as a church, the louder our love speaks. That's why being a multicultural church is important to me. Not, it's not this big flag I want to put up to just say, hey, look how awesome we are. Multiculturalism is hard, particularly this particular political environment that we're now kind of rustling through. But I believe that's what heaven will look like. I don't think the church is ready for Jesus to come back yet because I don't think we're, we're loving each other way God asks us to love each other. So we have a challenge ahead of us. We have a challenge to not only love each other, but love those people who don't yet know him. So my hope for you today is that you are inspired, you are encouraged to look outside of yourself. This is bigger than us. This is bigger than all of us. Thinking about somebody above ourselves, our own comfort, our own satisfaction is a tough, difficult thing to do. They're not our family. Jesus came and died for us when we were his enemies, scripture says. Sometimes we have to reach out to those people who don't like us, who don't vote the same way we vote, who don't think the same way, who don't like the Vikings. We, sometimes we have to reach out. Okay, I'm going too far. But nevertheless, we have to reach out to everybody. <laughs> Thank you for coming to worship with us this morning. We have small group also throughout the week, so if you get a chance, consider coming out and worship with us there as well. Also, we have Bible study. It's also another type of small group as well. I'm going to pray for you and bless you, and hopefully you go and have a great week. For those people, kids who are playing football, we pray for a continued undefeated season. Um, don't want to say anything because I don't believe in jinxing, though, but I still said it. Also, we're going to pray for the Vikings because they have more stuff going on than you probably had ever imagined. Um, and also, if you know somebody who's not here today, honestly, most people miss because something's going on in their lives that's not positive. So just pray for those people who aren't here. Pray for them, hold them up, intercede for them, reach out to them, call them. If you're hurt, we'll call to you. We love you. Father God, I ask you to bless these people. Father God, our church is small, Lord God, but we love you. So I ask you right now, Lord God, use this group of people, Father God, to give you great glory. Protect us. Watch over us. Love us. Strengthen us. And help us, Lord God, pour out of what you poured into us. In Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv.
Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you all my heart. on my